0: What do do you think of the 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 Bitcoin stuff? You know, they say. What do you think about that? Any thoughts?
1: No, I I haven't studied that. It's an interesting possibility, but I I don't I don't I don't have enough knowledge. It's
0: like it's like a digital currency. It's it's without paper. You know, it's like a digital currency. You know. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, I know that. Uh, I just I don't know what the the dangers and the benefits are.
0: Yeah. All right. This is a book by Sartre.
2: By Jean-Paul Sartre. Lecture given in 1946. My purpose here is to offer a defense of existentialism against several approaches that have been laid against it.
0: So, I just want to say to people who might listen, you know that you know you, you, grandpa you, you teach you you were you studied existential metapsychiatry right so existential this is what he's talking about and he, and his his whole thing about like any thoughts No. so what's the definition of existentialism do grandpa any thoughts no i don't
1: i don't know the 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 typical definition see dr call called it uh, existential metapsychiatry because he said its validity is, is validated existentially by existence, how it manifests itself in existence. That was his basic uh, uh, theory. Yeah. In other words, he didn't try to prove it, he said just look at what happens in your existence.
0: it
2: No. First, it has been reproached as an invitation to people to dwell in quietism of despair. For, if every way to a solution is barred, one would have to regard any action in this world as entirely ineffective, and one would arrive finally at a contemplative philosophy. Moreover, since contemplation is a luxury, this would only be another bourgeois philosophy. This is, especially, the reproach made by the communists. From another quarter, we are reproached for having underlined all that is ignominious in the human situation, for depicting what is mean.
0: So uh, essentialism is just like you know, t- take responsibility. You know, don't uh, don't don't blame and everything, but just you know, just just take or or like say it's like oh my genes or whatever, but take responsibility for it and and just you know go all out. I guess any thoughts?
1: Yeah, it's a, just look at your existence. Don't look at your explanations or interpretation just look what's happening
2: sorted or based to neglect of certain things that possess charm and beauty and belong to the brighter side of human nature for example according to the catholic critic mademoiselle mercier we forgot how an infant smiles both from this side and from the other we are also reproached for leaving out of account the solidarity of mankind and cons-
0: oh did, did you look at my emails yet or
2: Yeah, I (coughs) responded to a bunch of them this
1: morning. okay.
0: I didn't take All right,
2: ready? ...man in isolation. And this, say the communists, is because we base our doctrine upon pure subjectivity, upon the Cartesian, I think, which is a moment in which solitary man attains to himself, a position from which it is impossible to regain solidarity with other men who exist outside of the self. The ego cannot reach them through the cogito. From the Christian side... We are reproached as people who deny the reality and seriousness of human affairs. For, since we ignore the commandments of God and all values prescribed as eternal, nothing remains but what is strictly voluntary. Everyone can do what he likes and will be incapable, from such a point of view, of condemning either the point of view or the action of anyone else. It is to these various reproaches that I shall endeavor to reply today. This is why I have entitled this brief exposition, Existentialism is a Humanism. Many may be surprised at the men... Hey, boss. of humanism in this connection, but we shall try to see in what sense we understand it. In any case, we can begin by saying that existentialism, in our sense of the word, is a doctrine that does render human life possible, a doctrine, also, which affirms that every truth and every action imply both an environment and a human subjectivity. The essential charge laid against us is, of course, that of overemphasis upon the evil side of human life. I have lately been told of a lady who whenever she lets slip a vulgar expression in a moment of nervousness, excuses herself by exclaiming, I believe I'm becoming an existentialist. So, it appears that ugliness is being identified with existentialism. Is that? No. That is why some people say we are naturalistic. And if we are, it is strange to see how much we scandalize and horrify them. For no one seems to be much frightened or humiliated nowadays by what is properly called naturalism. Those who can quite well keep down a novel by Zola, such as La Terre, are sickened as soon as they read an existentialist novel. Those who appeal to the wisdom of the people, which is a sad wisdom, find ours sadder still. And yet, what could be more disillusioned than such sayings as Charity begins at home, or Promote a rogue and he'll sue you for damage, Knock him down and he'll do you homage. We all know how many common sayings can be quoted to this effect, and they all mean much the same. It does that you must not oppose the powers that be, that you must not fight against superior force, must not meddle in matters that are above your station, or that any action not in accordance with some tradition is mere romanticism, or that any undertaking which is not the support of proven experience is foredoomed to frustration, and that since experience has shown men to be invariably inclined to evil, there must be firm rules to restrain them, otherwise we shall have anarchy. It is, however, the people who are forever mouthing these dismal proverbs, and, whenever they are told of some more or less repulsive action, say, How like human nature? It is these very people, always harping upon realism, who complain that existentialism is too gloomy a view of things. Indeed, their excessive protests make me suspect that what is annoying them is not so much our pessimism, but, much more likely, our optimism. For, at bottom, what is alarming in the doctrine that I am about to try to explain to you is, is it not? That it confronts man with the possibility of choice. To verify this, let us review the whole question upon the strictly philosophic level. What, then, is this that we call existentialism? Most of those who are making use of this word would be highly confused if required to explain its meaning. For since it has become fashionable, people cheerfully declare that this musician or that painter is existentialist. A columnist in Clark's signs himself the existentialist, and, indeed, The word is now so loosely applied to so many things that it no longer means anything at all. It would appear that, for the lack of any novel doctrine, such as that of surrealism, all those who are eager to join in the latest scandal or movement now seize upon this philosophy in which, however, they can find nothing to their purpose. For in truth, this is of all teachings the least scandalous and most austere. It is intended strictly for technicians and philosophers. All the same, it can... Any thoughts, no easily be defined. The question is only complicated because there are two kinds of existentialists. There are, on the one hand, the Christians, amongst whom I shall name Jaspers and Gabriel Marcel, both professed Catholics and on the other the existential atheists, amongst whom we must place Heidegger as well as a French existentialist and myself. What they have in common is simply the fact that they believe that existence comes before <coughs> essence, or if you will, that we must begin from the subjective. What exactly do we mean by that?
0: And it does?
1: Yeah, you coughed right when he said uh, that definition. Existence must come before you coughed, and I didn't essence. hear what he
2: said.
0: Essence. He said. Oh. I'll go back. All right.
2: All the same. It can easily be defined. The question is only complicated because there are two kinds of existentialists. There are, on the one hand, the Christians, amongst whom I shall name Jaspers and Gabriel Marcel, both professed Catholics, and on the other, the existential atheists, amongst whom we must place Heidegger, as well as the French existentialists and myself. What they have in common is simply the fact that they believe that existence comes before essence, or if you will that we must begin from the subjective. What exactly do we mean by that? If one considers an article of manufacturer as, for example, a book or a penknife, one sees that it has been made by an artisan who had a conception of it, and he has paid attention equally to the conception of a paper knife and to the pre-existent technique of production, which is a part of that conception, and is, at bottom, a formula. Thus, the paper knife is, at the same time, an article producible in a certain manner, and one which, on the other hand, serves a definite purpose. For, one cannot suppose that a man would produce a paper knife without knowing what it was for. Let us say, then, of the paper knife, that its essence, that is to say, the sum of the formulae and the qualities which made its production and its definition possible, precedes its existence. The presence of such and such a paper knife or book is, is thus determined before my eyes. Here then, we are viewing the world from a technical standpoint, and we can say that production <coughs> precedes existence. When we think of God, it does. Yeah, I want to see how he relates this to God. <coughs> the creator, we are thinking of him, most of the time, as a supernal artisan. Whatever doctrine we may be considering, whether it be a doctrine like that of Descartes or of Leibniz himself. We always imply that the will follows, more or less, from the understanding, or at least accompanies it, so that when God creates, he knows precisely what he is creating. Thus, the conception of man in the mind of God is comparable to that of the paper knife in the mind of the artisan. God makes man according to a procedure and a conception, exactly as the artisan manufactures a paper knife, following a definition and a formula. Thus, each individual man Is a realization of a certain conception which dwells in the divine understanding. In the philosophical atheism of the 18th century. What? So, this would uh, fit in well
1: with the quadrant model that the essence is in the quadrant Mm -hmm. and that exists before it comes into existence. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't? The
1: quadrant pre exists all existence.
0: the foundation of it's a source and it's out of which everything you know kind of is generated yet any
2: thoughts
0: no it's a generating uh principle
2: the notion of god is suppressed but not for all that the idea that essence is prior to existence something of that idea we still find everywhere in Diderot, in voltaire and even in kant man possesses a human nature that human nature which is a conception of human being is found in every man, which means that each man is a particular example of a universal conception, the conception of man. In Kant, this universality goes so far that the wild man of the woods, man in the state of nature, and the bourgeois are all contained in the same definition and have the same fundamental qualities. Here again,
0: it does. <clears throat> well,
1: um, again, I'm relating this to the quadrant. Uh, everything doesn't maintain the same qualities there are just many different uh, qualities that pre-exist in the quadrant and it manifests itself in existence right? the,
0: the reason why the quadrant is so profound is that yes there's so much differentiation in reality but the differentiation is just different aspects somehow illuminating the quadrant form as God you know so okay yeah there's you, you say well look look there's there's the bonobos and then there's the humans <clears throat> and then there's the gorillas and then there's the um, chimpanzees or whatever no no it's it's a ch- there's four great apes there's, there's four groups of great apes and then there's four of the and then but you see th- those are the dominant ones now, now you say, but what about the like the, the lesser apes? There's only three families of lesser apes. Yeah, but one of the families of lesser apes has four th- has four groups in it, uh, and then you know, but but there's four families of the great apes, you know, and but anyways, the four are always going to establish itself as, as as primary. It's going to it's it's, it's like a symphony, and it's always a, a show, a representing itself and sh- sh- showing the cross. And then you go, okay, but okay, but okay, but yeah, there, there's the three families of the great apes. Okay, well the the hylobates there's there's four groups of them. And, and within the, you know, and, and the most important stuff is always the four. So, like, then if you look at the, there's four groups of chimpanzees, and there's four groups of gorillas, and there's four groups of orangutans, because those are the ones that are most similar to the human. And then you look at the human, every aspect of the human, which is like the pinnacle, they say man's made the image of God, it's all the quadrant. Everything about the human is a quadrant, you know? Because the quadrant is God, the supreme. The fourfold, the tetragrammaton in God's.
2: No? man precedes that historic existence which we confront in experience atheistic existentialism of which i am representative declares with greater consistency that if god does not exist there is at least one being whose existence comes before its essence a being which exists before it can be defined by any conception of it that being is man or as heidegger has it the human reality it does. What do we mean by saying that existence precedes essence? We mean that man first of all exists, encounters himself, surges up in the world, and defines himself afterwards. If man as the existentialist sees him is not definable, it is because to begin with, he is nothing. He will not be anything until later, and then he will be what he makes of himself. Thus, there is no human nature, because there is no God to have a conception of it. Man simply is. Not that he is simply what he conceives himself to be, but he is what he wills. And as he conceives himself after already existing, as he wills to be after that leap towards existence, man is nothing else but that which he makes of himself. That is the first principle of existentialism. Does that? And this is what people call its subjectivity using the word as a reproach against us. But what do we mean to say by this? But that man is of greater dignity than a stone or a table? For we mean to say that man primarily exists, that man is, before all else, something which propels itself towards a future and is aware that it is doing so. Man is, indeed, a project which possesses a subjective life instead of being a kind of moss or a fungus or a cauliflower. Hey, does before that projection of the self, nothing exists, not even in the heaven of intelligence. Man will only attain existence when he is what he proposes to be. Not, however, what he may wish to be. For what we usually understand by wishing or willing is a conscious decision taken, much more often than not, after we have made ourselves what we are. I may wish to join a party, or write a book, or to marry, but in such a case, What is usually called my will is probably a manifestation of a prior and more spontaneous decision. If, however, it is true that existence is prior to essence, man is responsible for what he is. Thus, the first effect of existentialism is that it puts every man in possession of himself as he is, and places the entire responsibility for his existence squarely upon his shoulders. And when we say that man is responsible for himself, we do not mean that he is responsible only for his own individuality, but that he is responsible for all men. The word subjectivism is to be understood in two senses. And our adversaries play upon only one of them. Subjectivism means, on the one hand, the freedom of the individual subject, and on the other, that man cannot pass beyond human subjectivity. It is the latter, which is the deeper meaning of existentialism. When we say that man chooses himself, we do mean that every one of us must choose himself. But by that, we also mean that in choosing for himself, he chooses for all men. For, in effect, of all the actions a man may take in order to create himself as he wills to be, there is not one which is not creative, at the same time, of an image of man such as he believes he ought to be. To choose between this or that is, at the same time, to affirm the value of that which is chosen, for we are unable ever to choose the worse. What we choose is always the better, and nothing can be better for us unless it is better for all.
0: There
2: it <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know how that, how, how that
1: is so. When you choose, you choose for all humankind. Uh, I just don't follow that.
2: Logic. Yeah. I see. I'm not saying it's not over... true. Let's
1: yeah.
0: see. What you say?
2: Existence precedes essence, and we will to exist at the same time as we fashion our image. That image is valid for all, and for the entire epoch in which we find ourselves. Our responsibility is thus much greater than we had supposed, for it concerns mankind as a whole. If I am a worker, for instance, I may choose to join a Christian rather than a communist trade union. And if, by that membership, I chose to signify that resignation is, after all, the attitude that best becomes a man, that man's kingdom is not upon this earth. I do not commit myself alone to that view. Resignation is my will for everyone, and my action is, in consequence, a commitment on behalf of all mankind. Or if, to take a more personal case, I decide to marry and to have children. Even though this decision proceeds simply from my situation— from my passion or my desire I am thereby committing not only myself but humanity as a whole to the practice of monogamy I am thus responsible for myself and for all men and I am creating a certain image of man as I would have him to be in fashioning myself
0: and hey, well,
1: so in, in other words that's just a uh, decision is, is made for all human beings. I guess he's, he's saying I, my decision is one that I think is best. Not only for me, but for all humanity. Well, I don't
0: know. I would say that's Apparently kind of ridi- that's ridiculous, because I, I would say like, I want to have variety. I want, you know, the Asians doing their thing, the black people, Africans doing their thing, and within the Asians there's going to be different groups, the Buddhists and the Communists and the different, you know, there's four, four groups of Buddhists you know, some, Most people think there's three, but you know, I listen to It says four. There's a fourth one, you know But like, you know, I want to see the, I want to see the variety of an idea like everybody I, if what I'm doing everybody should do Hey Let that guy do the right-hand path and, and do the sex and the drugs Let him do it. Maybe he'll get to the truth through that and I'll let that guy over there do his, you know right his, his right-hand path, the the, the the sex drugs guys do the left-hand path. other the guy do the the right-hand. What was one's, what one's the right-hand and left? I forget. But the right-hand path, I think, is the right one. is a good one. So, like, I'll let the right-hand path guy do his, like, you know, religious stuff. And I'm not going to say that which one should anyone do. I would say that, whatever, let both of them try their thing, and either one could get into the flow. You know, any thoughts? Yeah, well,
1: that's totally different from, from what he... From what he's saying, the 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 atheistic existentialist uh, premise is
0: yeah, yeah, doesn't. It?
1: He's just saying that when we, when we make a decision or a commitment, what we're saying is this is the best for all humanity. It seems rather arrogant, but nevertheless, that's apparently their basic working premise.
0: Let's see.
2: I fashion. Man, perhaps a little grandiloquent as anguish abandonment and despair as you will soon see it is very simple first what do we mean by anguish the existentialist frankly states that man is in anguish his meaning is as follows when a man commits himself to anything fully realizing that he is not only choosing what he will be but is thereby at the same time a legislator deciding for the whole of mankind in such a moment a man cannot escape from the sense of complete and profound responsibility. There are many, indeed, who show no such anxiety, but we affirm that they are merely disguising their anguish, or are in flight from it. Certainly, many people think that in what they are doing, they commit no one but themselves to anything, and if you ask them, what would happen if everyone did so? They shrug their shoulders and reply, everyone does not do so. But in truth, one ought always to ask oneself, what would happen if everyone did as one is doing? Nor can one escape from that disturbing thought except by a kind of self-deception. The man who lies in self-excuse... Any thoughts? No.
0: It really kind of seems ridiculous, right? Because, like, what, what, what you do in one situation might not be the best in every situation, and, and for every group, and for every... You know what I mean? So, like, the, to kind of say it that way, it's kind of... It, it doesn't make sense, but does It doesn't?
2: Yeah, you're right. doesn't make sense to me either. ...by saying, everyone will not do it, must be ill at ease in his conscience. For the act of lying implies the universal value which it denies. By its very disguise, his anguish reveals itself. This is the anguish that Kierkegaard called the anguish of Abraham. You know the story. An angel commanded Abraham to sacrifice his son, and obedience was obligatory. If it really was an angel who appeared and said, Thou, Abraham, shalt sacrifice thy son. But anyone in such a case would wonder, first, whether it was indeed an angel, and secondly, whether I am really Abraham. Where are the proof Hey, that? Oofs. No? A certain mad woman who suffered from hallucinations said that people were telephoning to her and giving her orders. The doctor asked, but who is it that speaks to you? She replied, he says it is God. And what indeed could prove to her that it was God? If an angel appears to me, what is the proof that it is an angel? Or If I hear voices, who can prove that they proceed from heaven and not from hell, or from my own subconsciousness or some pathological condition? Who can prove that they are really addressed to me? Who then can prove that I am the proper person to impose, by my own choice, my conception of man upon mankind? I shall never find any proof whatever. There will be no sign to convince me of it. If a voice speaks to me, it is still I myself who must decide whether the voice is or is not that of an angel. If I regard a certain course of action as good, it is only I who choose to say that it is good and not bad. There is nothing to show that I am Abraham. Nevertheless, I am also obliged at every instant to perform actions which are examples. Everything happens to every man as though the whole human race had its eyes fixed upon what he is doing and regulated its conduct accordingly. So, every man ought to say... Am I really a man who has the right to act in such a manner that humanity regulates itself by what I do? If a man does not say that, he is... Any that? No. Dissembling his anguish. Clearly, the anguish with which we are concerned here is not one that could lead to quietism or inaction. It is anguish, pure and simple, of the kind well-known to all those who have borne responsibilities. When, for instance... A military leader takes upon himself the responsibility for an attack and sends a number of men to their death. He chooses to do it, and at bottom, he alone chooses. No doubt under a higher command, but its orders, which are more general, require interpretation by him, and upon that interpretation depends a life of 10, 14, or 20 men. In making the decision, he cannot but feel a certain anguish. All leaders know that anguish, it does not prevent their acting. On the contrary, it is the very condition of their action, for the action presupposes that there is a plurality of possibilities, and in choosing one of these, they realize that it has value only because it is chosen. Now, it is anguish of that kind, which existentialism describes, and moreover, as we shall see, makes explicit through direct responsibility towards other men who are concerned. Far from being a screen which could separate us from action, it does is a condition of action itself. And when we speak of abandonment, a favorite word of Heidegger, we only mean to say that God does not exist and that it is necessary to draw the consequences of his absence right to the end. The existentialist is strongly opposed to a certain type of secular moralism. Hey, does. Mm-hmm.
0: I would say like assuming God doesn't exist, that's an assumption, you know. That's still a belief. You know, that's, that's not necessarily the flow, right?
2: which seeks to suppress God at the least possible expense. Towards 1880, when the French professors endeavored to formulate a secular morality, they said something like this, God is a useless and costly hypothesis, so we will do without it. However, if we are to have a morality, a society, and a law-abiding world, it is essential that certain values should be taken seriously. They must have an a priori existence ascribed to them. It must be considered obligatory a priori, to be honest, not to lie, not to beat one's wife, to bring up children, and so forth. So we are going to do a little work on this subject, which will enable us to show that these values exist all the same, inscribed in an intelligible heaven, although, of course, there is no God. In other words, and this is, I believe, the purport of all that we have in France called radicalism, nothing will be changed if God does not exist. We shall rediscover the same norms of honesty, progress, and humanity. And we shall have disposed of God as an out-of-date hypothesis, which will die away quietly of itself. The existentialist, on the contrary, finds it It extremely embarrassing that God does not exist, for there disappears with him all possibility of finding values in an intelligible heaven. There can no longer be any good a priori, since there is no infinite and perfect consciousness to think it. It is nowhere written that the good exists. That one must be honest or must not lie, since we are now upon the plane where there are only men. Dostoevsky once wrote, if God did not exist, everything would be permitted. And that, for existentialism, is the starting point. Everything is indeed permitted.
0: Hey,
2: No. God does not exist, and man is in consequence forlorn, for he cannot find anything to depend upon, either within or outside himself. He discovers, forthwith, that he is without excuse. For if indeed existence precedes essence, one will never be able to explain one's action by reference to a given and specific human nature. In other words, there is no determinism. Man is free. Man is freedom. Nor on the other hand...
1: Yeah, well, that's a totally radical point of view that that we're free to discover what's what will get us in the flow what will make things flow
0: yeah i, th- I think i think that that's that's kind of like what you Ed, were doing like you know no no determinism like you complete freedom and just uh you know, t- completely take responsibility and don't don't have any excuses for any determinisms or anything you know any thoughts
1: uh, I think you know, no, we don't have complete freedom. We have complete freedom to, to get in the flow. Yes, but we have complete freedom to obey the order we depend on.
0: Yeah, no, but, but you you talk about like you didn't like the idea of like deterministic stuff. Like take responsibility and don't like don't blame and do no, no determinism. You know, you didn't like the ideas of like the <clears throat> the people who say like. That, that we're not a blank slate, you know? But, but you, then, then later you, you, you were attracted to it and you said, well, I acknowledge that there's, you know, genetic Darwinism and there's that stuff like that, but you can't do anything about that. But what you can do is take responsibility for upgrading your software and stuff like that. Well, that's
2: what I've always thought.
0: Yeah, but it doesn't?
2: No. And if God does not exist, are we provided with any values or commands that could legitimize our behavior? Thus, we have neither behind us nor before us, in a luminous realm of values, any means of justification or excuse. We are left alone, without excuse. That is what I mean when I say that man is condemned to be free. Condemned because he did not create himself, yet is nevertheless at liberty, and from the moment that he is thrown into this world, he is responsible for everything he does. The existential... It does. Yeah, well, that's an interesting premise, working premise. Yeah, what
0: do you think about it?
1: Well, see, there's some validity to that. Uh, yeah, it, that's just a whole different way of thinking.
0: Well, I mean, you, you, you could say it's like a valid way of thinking and stuff, or like, you know, it could lead to good results. But the thing the thing I question is is, is it accurate, you know, especially with the quadrant model, I, I know that things are determined the quadrant orientations But in terms of like even just the the basic stuff where people say, you know how, how much really are you you responsible for when you grow up in an environment like, you know I've you're brought up in a Christian environment or a Muslim environment or an atheist environment. Were you really responsible for that? Do you really have free choice in that? Not really, there's so many things that are like that you're not free with. I guess you can decide to go against it and stuff, but that's a lot determined by your upraising, by by your environment, and by even your genes. you know, there's genetic aspects and stuff. so I mean I, it's a, it's an interesting premise and it's a, it might be like a, a a good way to go about things and lead to good results, perhaps, but I just don't know if it's accurate, but No, uh, I, that to me is the only thing
1: that that seems valid that we have all these things that are determining us. We have all kinds of genetic Darwinism. We have all of these things that are constantly influencing us trying to run our lives. Oh, you cannot deny the fact, uh, including our upbringing, the water in which we floated our boats as we were growing up. All of that is a very powerful factor in one's life. I keep going back to so- sojourner truth. Slavery was a very powerful thing in her life. That she could do nothing about and that was the biz- that was the basic message of of um, shawshank redemption redemption he was in circumstances about which he could do nothing
2: yeah does it no does not believe in the power of passion He will never regard a grand passion as a destructive torrent upon which a man is swept into certain actions as by fate, and which, therefore, is an excuse for them. He thinks that man is responsible for his passion. Neither will an existentialist think that a man can find help through some sign being vouchsafed upon earth for his orientation, for he thinks that man himself interprets a sign as he chooses. He thinks that every man, without any support or help whatever, is condemned at every instant to invent man. As Ponge has written in a very fine article, (coughs) man is the future of man. That is exactly true. Only if one took this to mean that the future is laid up in heaven, that God knows what it is, it would be false. For then it would no longer even be a future. If, however, it means that whatever man may now appear to be, there is a future to be fashioned, a virgin future that awaits him, then it is a true saying. But in the present, one is forsaken. As an example by which you may the better—Hey, thus. Yeah, well, the quadrant would say
1: you don't have a future that you can imagine and then unfold. It's already determined, right?
0: Yeah, it's determined. But also, there's free will. It's you know, it's very paradoxical. Like, yeah, you. So you don't. You'd be like, oh, then you just resigned to that. No, not really. it's determined whether you resign to it or not but you don't have to resign to it if you don't want you could take this free you could take Sartre's way of being and you can decide to do that if you want and that but that's already determined but you can do it
1: well then you don't have a free you aren't free to do it
0: yeah well anyways it, you know the, the extent that everything's determined all i know is that the quadrant expresses itself dominantly throughout everything Maybe there is free will and stuff, but all I know is the quadrant expresses itself as dominantly and that's determined. And you see that in every everywhere. Throughout history, throughout everything. In World War Two, you saw the four Allied powers. You saw the four it that stuff was determined. It was a quadrant expressing itself. You know, they, they had the, the conference of the quadrant the quadrant conference and stuff. You know, and, and I think even the the way that the world events were there are four world zones, there's four continents, there's four oceans, main oceans, there's
1: you know, but that... Is stuff, that- is that, is that the quadrant expressing itself or is that existence expressing itself in quadrant patterns?
0: It's, it's the quadrant expressing itself. It's the quadrant. And it doesn't?
1: Well, th- that's your working premise. It may be accurate,
0: but yeah, then it may true. not
1: be. No, but it's true though. And it doesn't?
0: It, 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 well, it, 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 that, the only way you that's wouldn't that's understand if it's true is if, if you didn't do all the studying, if you didn't do all the research, which I have. So you'd have to go through all my stuff, I, I, Tumblr, it, it, I have a bunch of accounts, I, I have a VK account, does, I have Tumblr, I have all that stuff. Whatever, but any thoughts
1: that's it? it doesn't matter, it, it doesn't matter what I think, I'm just telling you that it could
0: be either way. Any yeah, doesn't? N- no.
2: understand the state of abandonment, I will refer to the case of a pupil of mine. "'who sought me out in the following circumstances. "'His father was quarreling with his mother "'and was also inclined to be a collaborator. "'His elder brother had been killed "'in the German offensive of 1940, "'and this young man, with a sentiment "'somewhat primitive but generous, "'burned to avenge him. "'His mother was living alone with him, "'deeply afflicted by the semi-treason of his father "'and by the death of her oldest son. "'And her one consolation was in this young man. "'But he, at this moment, had the choice between going to England to join the free French forces or staying near his mother and helping her to live. He fully realized that this woman lived only for him, and that his disappearance, or perhaps his death, would plunge her into despair. He also realized that, concretely and in fact, every action he performed on his mother's behalf would be sure of effect in the sense of aiding her to live, whereas anything he did in order to go and fight ...would be an ambiguous action which might vanish like water into sand and serve no purpose. For instance, to set out for England, he would have to wait indefinitely in a Spanish camp on the way... Wi- no. ...through Spain, or on arriving in England or in Algiers, he might be put into an office to fill up forms. Consequently, he found himself confronted by two very different modes of action. The one concrete, immediate but directed towards only one individual, and the other, an action addressed to an end infinitely greater, a national collectivity, but for that very reason, ambiguous, and it might be frustrated on the way. At the same time, he was hesitating between two kinds of morality. On the one side, the morality of sympathy, of personal devotion, and on the other side, a morality of wider scope, but of more debatable validity. He had to choose between these two. What could help him to choose? Could the christian doctrine no christian doctrine says act with charity love your neighbor deny yourself for others choose the way which is honest and so forth but which is a harder road to whom does one owe the more brotherly love the patriot or the mother it does. No. which is the more useful aim the general one of fighting in and for the whole community or the precise aim of helping one particular person to live. Who can give an answer to that a priori? No one. Nor is it given in any ethical scripture. The Kantian ethic says, never regard another as a means, but always as an end. Very well, if I remain with my mother, I shall be regarding her as the end and not as a means. But, by the same token, I am in danger of treating as a means those who are fighting on my behalf. And the converse is also true, that if I go to the aid of the combatants, I shall be treating them as an end at the risk of treating my mother as a means. If values are uncertain, if they are still too abstract to determine the particular, concrete case under consideration, nothing remains but to trust in our instincts. That is what this young man tried to do. And when I saw him, he said, In the end, it is feeling that counts. The de- hey, does. No. direction in which it is really pushing me is the one I ought to choose. <clears throat> If I feel that I love my mother enough to sacrifice everything else for her, my will to be avenged, all my longings for action and adventure, then I stay with her. If, on the contrary, I feel that my love for her is not enough, I go. But how does one estimate the strength of a feeling? It does? The value of his feeling Good for his mother was determined precisely by the fact that he was standing by her i may say that i love a certain friend enough to sacrifice such or such a sum of money for him but i cannot prove that unless i have done it i may say i love my mother enough to remain with her if i actually have remained with her i can only estimate the strength of this affection if i have performed an action by which it is defined and ratified but if i then appeal to this affection to justify my action i find myself drawn into a vicious circle moreover as jeed has very well said a sentiment which is play-acting, and one which is vital, are two things that are hardly distinguishable one from another. Hey, no. Beside that I love my mother by staying beside her, and to play a comedy the upshot of which is that I do so. These are nearly the same thing. In other words, feeling is formed by the deeds that one does. Therefore, I cannot consult it as a guide to action. And that is to say that I can neither speak within myself for an authentic impulse to action, nor can I expect from some ethic formulae that will enable me to act. You may say that the youth did, at least, go to a professor to ask for advice, but if you seek counsel from a priest, for example, you have selected that priest, and at bottom, you already knew, more or less, what he would advise. In other words, to choose an advisor is nevertheless to commit oneself by that choice. If you are a Christian, you will say, consult a priest. But there are collaborationists. Pri- he does? No. <laughs> priests who are resistors and priests who wait for the tide to turn. Which will you choose? Had this young man chosen a priest of the resistance, or one of the collaboration, he would have decided beforehand the kind of advice he was to receive. Similarly, in coming to me, he knew what advice I should give him, and I had but one reply to make. You are free, therefore choose. That is to say, invent. No rule of general morality can show you what you ought to do.
0: It
1: does? Well, well. (coughs) there's no formula. That's that's the valid thing of what he's saying.
0: What's invalid about it?
1: Oh, I didn't say it was anything invalid. I'm just saying that's, I guess the only thing that I would say may be invalid is that there is an order we depend on. Yeah, does it?
2: No. No signs are vouchsafed in this world. The Catholics will reply, oh, but they are. Very well. Still, it is I myself, in every case, who have to interpret the signs. While I was imprisoned, I made the acquaintance of a somewhat remarkable man, a Jesuit, who had become a member of that order in the following manner. In his life, he had suffered a succession of rather severe setbacks. His father had died when he was a child, leaving him in poverty. And he had been awarded a free scholarship in a religious institution, where he had been made continually to feel that he was accepted for charity's sake. And, in consequence, he had been denied several of those distinctions and honors which gratify children later about the age of 18 he came to grief in a sentimental affair and finally at 22 this was a trifle in itself but it was a last drop that overflowed his cup he failed in his military examination this young man then could regard himself as a total failure hey, does. no it was a sign but a sign of what he might have taken refuge in bitterness or despair but he took it very cleverly for him as a sign that he was not intended for secular success and that only the attainments of religion those of sanctity and of faith were accessible to him he interpreted his record as a message from god and became a member of the order Who can doubt but that this decision as to the meaning of the sign was his and his alone one could have drawn quite different conclusions from such a series of reverses as, for example, that he had better become a carpenter or a revolutionary. For the decipherment of the sign, however, he bears the entire responsibility. That is what abandonment implies that we ourselves decide our being. And with this abandonment goes anguish. As for despair, like us? No. The meaning of this.
0: Yes, yeah, so, I mean, you know, that might be a valid way to go about it, and, you know, but. You know again people question this is what like the this is what he's saying that why there's people that don't like existentialism cuz then there's people who say hey you don't really choose your being there's people your families affecting it your genes your you know environment your but 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 start to say, no 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 that's that's bad faith to, to you do all that just you choose you know any thoughts
1: yeah, that's his premise. Yeah,
0: but that you like that idea, right?
1: Well, but see again, that's that's uh, that's uh, refusing to acknowledge that there is a fundamental order that we that life that reality depends on. Mm. But there's no formula for how to live that out.
0: Yeah, does it?
2: Expression is extremely simple. It merely means that we limit ourselves to a reliance upon that which is within our wills, or within the sum of the probabilities which render our action feasible. Whenever one wills anything, there are always these elements of probability. If I am counting upon a visit from a friend who may be coming by train or tram, I presuppose that the train will arrive at the appointed time, or that the tram will not be derailed. I remain in the realm of possibilities. But one does not rely upon any possibilities beyond those that are strictly concerned in one's action. Beyond the point at which the possibilities under consideration cease to affect my action, I ought to disinterest myself, for there is no God and no prevenient design which can adapt the world and all its possibilities to my will. When Descartes said, conquer yourself rather than the world, what he meant was, at bottom, the same, that we should act without hope. Marxists, to whom I have said this, have answered, Your action is limited, obviously, by your death, but you can rely upon the help of others. That is, you can count both upon what the others are doing to help you elsewhere, as in China and in Russia, and upon what they will do later, after your death, to take up your action and carry it forward to its final accomplishment, which will be the revolution. Moreover, you must rely upon this. Not to do so is immoral. To this I rejoin, first, that I shall always count upon my comrades-in-arms in the struggle, so far as they are committed, as I am, to a definite common cause, and in the unity of a party or a group which I can more or less control, that is in which I am enrolled as a militant and whose movements at every movement are known to me. In that respect, to rely upon the unity and the will of the party is exactly like my reckoning that the train will run on time or that the tram will not be derailed. But I cannot count upon men whom I do not know. I cannot base my confidence upon human goodness or upon man's interest in the good of society. Saying that man is free and there is no human nature which I can take as foundational. I do not know where the Russian revolution will lead. Any thus those? No.
0: So I I said like even stuff like personality type, you know? People say that that's that that's like throughout your whole life you've maintained the same personality. Like you wanted to say, yeah, but you kind of like you can choose your personality, like it depends on your software. But you know, they they do studies where they give someone a personality test at the age of nine. 15, 22, 35, and they stay the same personality type throughout their whole life, you know, and same personality aspect. Like, hey, that's it. Yeah, I, uh, that,
1: I, uh, I think that's totally valid. Yeah, does it doesn't. We, 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 that's just one of our strengths. Our personality style is one of our strengths. Yeah. And we're not equal. Yeah, does it does No, I mean you can engage. You know, certain kinds of psychological uh, um, uh, points of view or strategies are designed for self-improvement, for improving your personality style, and so a lot of psychological uh, um, psychologists work on helping people develop a strategy for for changing their personality style. You know, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know that that has any validity or that it even uh, can succeed, but that's very common in psychological circles. Yeah, doesn't. No. I
0: was going to say... Uh... I was getting a lot of fast food and stuff, and, and I wasn't using this, uh, you know, like it was a laziness. Like I could have thought of, you know, using an app because they have these apps that you can do that you can get points and then you can get free food and stuff. But I wasn't using it for so long. But now I've started just started using it, you know. For I, mean, I was using it for some places, but other places like I didn't think about using, like looking up, up the apps and stuff. But I've been playing with folks, and I figured out how to use the apps and stuff. So now now I've been started using them, and I can get free food, you know. But it's like, oh, I should have been doing that before. Like, any thoughts?
1: Uh, Are you relating this to uh, personality style? No, no, that's just a
0: separate thing. But any thoughts? Oh,
2: okay. No. I can admire it and take it as an example insofar as it is evident today that the proletariat plays a part in Russia, which it has attained in no other nation. But I cannot affirm that this will necessarily lead to the triumph of the proletariat. I must confine myself to what I can see. Nor can I be sure that comrades-in-arms will take up my work after my death and carry it to the maximum perfection, seeing that those men are free agents and will freely decide, tomorrow, what man is then to be. Tomorrow, after my death, some men may decide to establish fascism, and others may be so cowardly or so slack as to let them do so. If so, fascism will then be the truth of man, and so much worse for us. In reality, Things will be such as men have decided they shall be. Does. <clears throat> does that mean that I should abandon myself to quietism? No. First, I ought to commit myself and then act my commitment, according to the time honored formula that one need not hope in order to undertake one's work. Nor does this mean that I should not belong to a party, but only that I should be without illusion and that I should do what I can. For instance, If I ask myself, will the social ideal as such ever become a reality? I cannot tell. I only know that whatever may be in my power to make it so, I shall do. Beyond that, I can count upon nothing. Quietism is the attitude of people who say, let others do what I cannot do. The doctrine I am presenting before you is precisely the opposite of this, since it declares that there is no reality except in action. It goes further, indeed, and adds, Man is nothing else but what he proposes. He exists only insofar as he realizes himself. He is therefore nothing else but the sum of his actions, nothing else but what his life is. Hence, we can well understand why some people are horrified by our teaching. For many have but one resource to sustain them in their misery, and that is to think, Circumstances have been against me. I was worthy to be something much better than I have been. I admit I have never had a great love or a great friendship, but that is because I never met a man or a woman who were worthy of it. If I have not written any very good books, it is because I had not the leisure to do so. Or, if I have had no children to whom I could devote myself, it is because I did not find the man I could have lived with. So there remains within me a wide range of abilities, inclinations, and potentialities, unused but perfectly viable which endow me with a worthiness that could never be inferred from the mere history of my actions. But in reality, and for the existentialist, there is no love apart from the deeds of love, no potentiality of love other than that which is manifested in loving. There is no genius other than that which is expressed in works of art. The genius of Proust is the totality of the works of Proust. The genius of Racine is the series of his tragedies, outside of which there is nothing. Why should we attribute to Racine the capacity to write yet another tragedy when that is precisely what he did not write? In life, a man commits himself, draws his own portrait, and there is nothing but that portrait. He
0: does.
1: No, we have total free will to to paint our own portrait, is what he's saying.
2: He doesn't. No. No doubt, this thought may seem comfortless to one who has not made a success of his life. On the other hand, it puts everyone in a position to understand that reality alone is reliable; that dreams, expectations, and hopes serve to define a man only as. Dis-
0: so there might be a lot of truth to that. Like you know, even like like maybe you know like Goddard talks about that. Your thoughts affect reality. You, you your imagination creates reality. Maybe you do have much more power than you think. Like this free will idea. Maybe you are producing the negative, you know, you, the the bad guys who are who are stopping you, and, and you made yourself fail, and you, it, 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 because because of whatever reasons, maybe that's all true, like. But at the, any thoughts of that?
1: Yeah, could
0: be. But we also know that it gets annoying when people blame the victim, like, oh, it's the reason you're you're failing is because you know your your mindset, you don't have the imagination, like God or, you know, the, the positive thinking. And, yeah, but, but at the same time, though, I'm, I'm open to the idea that I manifested all this. I, I wasn't ready to get the quadrant out before, and I wanted this to happen. I wanted all that to happen. I manifested it, you know? Even all the bad stuff. Yeah. Like, any thoughts?
2: Yeah, it's certainly possible. ...active dreams, abortive hopes, expectations unfulfilled. That is to say, they define him negatively, not positively. Nevertheless... When one says, you are nothing else but what you live, for a thousand other things contribute no less to his definition as a man. What we mean to say is that a man is no other than a series of undertakings, that he is the sum, the organization, the set of relations that constitute these undertakings. Any thoughts? I don't
0: think that you would say that that's what man is. I think you would say that man is like awareness or, or energy or consciousness or... I I would say like he's a aspect of the quadrant reality expressing itself, you know. Any thoughts?
1: Yeah, it could, could be.
0: But he's saying like you know you, 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 he's the actions. Like any thoughts? No. I mean that
1: even might be, uh,
0: that that even might be a uh, male centric. Because males are tend to be more action-oriented according to the, the stereotype and women are more passive and more like So maybe actions not that important like I don't know any thoughts No. Or maybe actions all that there is energy action
2: in light of all this what people reproach us with is not after all our pessimism But the sternness of our optimism And it does No If people condemn our works of fiction, in which we describe characters that are base, weak, cowardly, and sometimes even, frankly, evil, it is not only because those characters are base, weak, cowardly, or evil. For, suppose that, like Zola, we showed that the behavior of these characters was caused by their heredity, or by the action of their environment upon them, or by determining factors, psychic or organic. People would be reassured. They would say, You see, that is what we are like. No one can do anything about that. But the existentialist, when he portrays a coward, shows him as responsible for his cowardice. He is not like that on account of a cowardly heart or lungs or cerebrum. He has not become like that through his psychological organism. He is like that because he has made himself into a coward by actions. There is no such thing as a cowardly temperament. There are nervous temperaments, there is what is called impoverished blood, and there are also rich temperaments. But the man whose blood is poor is not a coward for all that for what produces cowardice is the act of giving up or giving way and a temperament is not an action a coward is defined by the deed that he has done what people feel obscurely and with horror is that the coward as we present him is guilty of being a coward what people would prefer would be to be born either a coward or a hero one of the charges most often laid against the charmant de la liberté is something like this.
1: Any of No, No, well, that's a,
2: a way of saying that it,
1: it's our software.
2: But, after all, these people... Yeah,
0: what do you mean by that, any of
1: Well, again, he, he's saying there's no such thing as a coward. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no such a thing as a personality-styled... Called a coward or cowardlessness, but it's it's your actions. It's it's the way you live out your life. But
0: but you know I, I look at people's faces like like if you looked at me like I was the I had a heroic life. I did these heroic things my whole life. Won a national championship, doing amazing things. Coach was saying I was better than Bryce Taylor, better than all these players. You know, coach was saying I, I played in the NBA, you know, doing heroic stuff. And if you just looked at my presence, it was a heroic wonderful presence and, and and you know teachers pet teachers always loved me everybody you know big time you know and also the the heroic Tragedies of the quadrant model. I mean of the of the shoot away and then but then I discovered the quadrant model. which is a good thing You know, and you know So like, like that, but but then you look at some people and you just look at their face and you can tell okay This guy's not a hero. He's not the hero this guy's face. He's a villain You know you could just people play different parts and you could almost tell by by the by the the, the way that they look. This guy is going to play this role. You could look, look at this guy. This guy's a normal role. He he has a, the normal look. Or,
1: or, or is it the the role that they're playing that produces their face?
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know. Any thoughts?
1: See Abraham Lincoln says we we're responsible for our face. I think that was Lincoln who said that.
2: Being so base, how can you make them into heroes? That objection is really rather comic, for it implies that people are born heroes, and that is, at bottom, what such people would like to think. If you are born cowards, you can be quite content. You can do nothing about it, and you will be cowards all your lives, whatever you do. And if you are born heroes, you can again be quite content. You will be heroes all your lives, eating and drinking heroically. Whereas the existentialist says that the coward makes himself cowardly the hero makes himself heroic, and that there is always a possibility for the coward to give up cowardice, and for the hero to stop being a hero. What counts is the total commitment, and it is not by particular case or particular action that you are committed altogether. We have now, I think...
1: Hey, Beth? Yep, well, that's that's a very interesting point of view. There's a lot of valid stuff there. And... That's enough for tonight.
0: Well, what do you like about that point part, Interesting part.
1: Well well again he, he's saying there is no such thing as a personality style. In other words, that's not what determines your life. There is no such thing as a cowardice personality. C uh, O C O W A R D rather than an I N T P. There is no such thing. That's what he's saying. In other words, uh, it's your actions that that uh, can be labeled as such.
0: Yeah, well, and I think that, like, you know, having a good community will help have you have better actions. Like, for instance, you know, I, I was hanging out with my friend Johnny. You know. And then he and then he was, into, you know, we were going to a lot of places where I was, you know, they, they do drugs and stuff, whatever. I don't, I never did it. But, you know, then he, he started getting me back into lifting weights, you know. And so and, and now I'm feeling a little bit better, for, you know, lifting weights, okay, that, that's helping my body a little bit, you know. But it's like, did I really choose all that? Or my environment also is producing that. I had the fortune of meeting a Johnny thanks to the Quadra model, thanks to me meeting El Bezel because of the Quadra model and you know, stuff like that. Like, any thoughts?
1: Of course, yeah. That's the that's just, that's raising the water in which you're floating your boat. Exposure.
0: But you know, I can't really take responsibility for that. Can, can I really take responsibility? I mean, maybe I can, but at the same time, I know there's like a high, there's a God, there's a higher power that gave me the Quadra model that put me in in this position, in this play, in this organic structure of the Matrix. Any thoughts?
1: Yeah, could be. All right. Later. <clears throat>